Hello there, I'm JP. Hello there, and I'm WH. And we're back to recap episode nine. Nobody's listening. Um, there's a lot of things to to take with a with a title of an episode like this. Somebody who was listening was Bix, as we find out uh, oh, in this episode. Yeah. Jesus, mate. Was this? Are, are we recording? Because I don't see anything that on my screen that says recording. Just want to make sure on your screen. Oh says no, this. we are. We okay. Are. What we're doing right. is we're actually going live up onto YouTube, right? Because it's just about it. So we've got it up on there now, um, and then after, and then I can tell people about it after the fact. Sure, sure. And then after that, I can put the. Um, I'll, I'll be putting it up on the podcast feed before recording Spotlight, which is uh, it's a fine way to spend a Monday. I tell you what, it's a lively yeah. way. But yes. Oh, yeah. Back, back to it, just the simple question. Mm. Is this the darkest you've seen Star Wars at any iteration? I, 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 don't, I don't really think of it as being like the darkest thing I've ever seen from Star Wars per se. And in, in that, I mean, I really think Revenge of the Sith is pretty fucking dark. You know, yeah. <laughs> like the descent yeah. of Anakin Skywalker to becoming Darth Vader is pretty dark in that in that film. And even though it's you know like people have their complaints about the prequel trilogy, like Revenge of the Sith is pretty dark film in that in the canon of Star Wars. This is this is like there are elements of it where I'm just like like the stuff with Bix and the the, the audio torture device thing. I was just like. That's 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 like that came from Tony Gilroy's imagination. This is like Jesus, wow! It's just uh, the, the, when I think about it, I'm just like that's horrible. That is horrible. And the, the way the actor, I think, what's his name? Uh, I found. I, I looked him up. Um, where is he? Um, Doctor Gorst, the guy who plays him. He's a British actor. Uh, oh yeah. I'm trying to find. I was looking him up earlier. Uh, He's like one of those, you know, actors that you probably, I've probably seen in tons of other things. I just don't, mm -hmm. he's just not really um, super famous right now. Uh, Gorst, okay. It's made, his name's Joshua James. Mm -hmm. He's great in that, the, just his description of like what it is they're going to put her through. Just frightening. But, but there's like a great part of it. Like the whole idea that um, this prison is actually not a prison per se it's mm. it's actually a, a factory you you toy it's basically like a sweatshop that you yeah. never you're never gonna leave and yeah, yeah I, I read I, so if, if for everyone who who's listening to this you should know the amount of work JP does to prepare like he he writes these extensive notes that he sends to me and I read them and he has a theory of you have a theory about the prison that they're not making anything right yes yeah that was I, one of the I, theories that had come out I, I don't believe that. I, I think that's that's a complete waste of the Empire's time to do that. I think they aren't building things because they need the reason why they have this um, these factories, these slave labor camps, essentially, is because they need to build their war machine, which is like the Imperial Navy, the Imperial like, you know, like ATATs and at ATSTs. And I think they're still probably building large parts of the Death Star still. So they're pr probably some of these factories, maybe even, even Narkina 5, are in the process of building key components. Like that, those components, they built multiples of them, but the Death Star is fucking huge. So maybe it's a key component that you need in the, the structure of the Death Star. That's what they're building. Or stuff for a TIE fighters or something. Well, I would, I, on the whole, I mean, that, that's one of the theories that is out there is, is about not building anything. I'm kind of with you in the sense that it would be pointless because they actually need practical things. And like it's it's slave labor so i think the idea is the prisoners like they're in the belief they're actually in a prison really that they're slaves and they're there until they die and there's um you know in in essence they're just there to provide their labor for free but it's the whole kind of dystopian nightmare of the surroundings the floor just being left there so they end up hating each other everyone's in competition with everybody else to get the most mm. basic things it like plays on the worst aspects of humanity as well i think between that and the torture scene i mean it, it, you know it, there was something that i it, just an offhand comment where it said this is the scariest that star wars has ever been and that's without a sith lord or a stormtrooper in sight that there's just something about the horrible clinical and there's obviously many allusions to 
history and you know without trying to sound crass about it it generally becomes you know the empire being like kind of modeled on the nazis yeah you know you can very much see it in this episode this kind of like ruthless horrible efficiency which is just there to to kind of bring about people's deaths while just having them provide all manner of all manner of free labor it's i just found it absolutely horrible i think brilliant more like even more so than even like nazi germany i think there's like Mm. this parallel you can draw with modern you know first world nations based on capitalism in particular you know the, the most prominent example would be the united states of america like the prison industrial complex system yeah. is is what this Narkina five and other facilities like it are based upon it's like this people this this idea that you incarcerate people to, to, and then while they're incarcerated they build things or they make things and then oh this is really efficient cheap labor that we have so then it becomes a, a loophole where you know like a you know like where you where you want to actually have more prisoners come through your mm penal system not to not because they're committing more crime because oh we have just form of cheap labor that we can exploit where else can you get away with paying like a dollar an hour if that and that's for prisoners who are probably going to end up spending that money on things that they can actually get in prison like so yeah. it's not even like it's not even worth saving it just it's to fuel an internal currency so no i'd be completely in agreement i mean and you know when we get into you know actually we'll we might as well start off in terms of the actual recap. We end up seeing Deirdre torture, um, basically, you know, been torturing Bix, speak, you know, effectively knowing that she's been in cahoots with Cassian and that she knows about Axis at this stage. It is one of the things where, like, you know, it's also the fact that Bix realizes that it's an absolute futility in trying to speak to Deirdre as well. Deirdre at her absolute most horrible. It's like she is... I'm not saying you kind of empathised with her. Well, I suppose you do empathise with her, with her position of being a woman up against so many men within this kind of entrenched system. But it feels like that's gone, like, at this this stage, because it's this kind of, like, horrible brutality. And you mentioned Dr. Gorse. It's the fact about trying to get her to talk... um, Bix refuses, refuses to budge. And then we meet Dr. Gorst, um, who explains, this is absolutely horrible, there was an outer rim moon called Dizonfray. The species there protested against the construction of an imperial refueling centre. So the Empire committed mass genocide and proceeded with the construction. But while dying, the species, specifically the babies, here, um, let out a cry that caused a severe amount of emotional distress to the communications officers documenting it. Mm-hmm. So in order to torture Bix, a sample of that choral, agonised pleading will be used until she speaks. I want to know how they, if this causes so much distress in human beings or sentient beings, like how do they isolate these these sounds in experiment? Like they must use droids, maybe? I don't know. Like and there's some kind of way to, or got an alien species that is not affected by this to to help them make it i don't know the idea is like really mind blowing like that monty python sketch about the funniest joke ever made and then they have to break it up into parts and stuff like and no one can ever tell it on do you remember this yes and it kills people and it kills people it's so funny that they die and somebody ends up in hospital for 2 weeks because they saw more than 2 words of it like and it's it's this like I don't know, like, how does this end up being recorded and passed back without yeah. that, the, the kind of agony? But, I mean, again, you talk about, like, the real... It, I ended up thinking of things like Guantanamo Bay mm. and thinking of, you know, something like Sesame Street being used, being played relentlessly, or, like, hard thrash metal being used to kind of, like, sleep, you know, in order to kind of aid that kind of sleep deprivation. So it's not like there isn't, like, the real world... The real world um, uh, allusions throughout this are kind Again, of, it's a yeah. first world, you know, capitalist uh, based uh, nation. <laughs> yeah. That's where this comes from. It's also like it for if you go back to Star Wars lore, like this this description of this genocide of this planet of these mm. of this creature of the, the the native species to this planet reminds me of Geonosis, which is in Attack mm. of the Clones, is where like the 
you know, this is where the separatists have their meetings. This is like the big battle that starts the Clone Wars. But in Rebels, we find out that the Empire has has like pretty much committed genocide on Geonosis. Like all the Geonosians are dead, pretty much. Um, and that's where we get introduced, reintroduced to Saw Gerrera in from the Clone Wars. He then appears in Rebels with the voice this time of, of Forrest Whitaker. So Forrest Whitaker didn't play the original younger version of Sagarera in the Clone Wars, but he has played, he has voiced the character in Rebels and he's in what's, I think this is like a two-parter. It's called, it's called the Ghosts of Geonosis. I forget which season of Rebels it is, but it's, it's really good. But that kind of like, can you imagine if they like isolated, if, they, if these, it's like these creatures are the same as the insects of like Geonosis and they, you know, that, that'd be horrifying to, to think about that as well. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's a really unbelievable kind of concept there. Absolutely horrific. I mean, genuinely like startled by, it. and as a as a kind of plot device. I mean, it's it's one of those reasons where you kind of remember the twelve plus rating that they have on for this because it's not like in in and of itself yeah. we've seen anything. You know, seen lots and lots of things worse. I think it's just the putting it into still within like the kind of greater Star Wars universe and particularly kind of the Disney era of Star Wars, mm. like that kind, you're, you're overtly like, this is a piece of television. It's kind of, I, I mean, we'll talk about it at the end, but you know what they're doing here. And in terms of like laying the groundwork for these, for this kind of stories to be told and, you know, making you really fear the empire, realize how evil they actually are and how incredibly powerful. Um, Meanwhile, over, you know, just to lighten up the mood on, on here, um, we go back to Narkeena 5, where we have Cassian on the work line. Um, one of the older members of the team, Olaf, um, who I must have a look and see who that actor is who plays uh, plays Olaf. Uh, Christopher there. Fairbank. Yes, he mm. is. Yeah. Uh, well, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it'd be the post, most kind of... He's in, he's in the first uh, Tim Burton Batman movie, too. Yep. He is... He's, he'll never be up on the poster, but he is an actor who I'm pretty sure between us we would have seen in 30 to 40 different, like, films, TV shows. He is he is the kind of actor who is around a lot. He's done, like, a lot of sort of UK TV as well. He's always been working, put it that way. I think yeah. Christopher like i think you're are you looking at his imd I, I am i am looking at his imd uh, he's just in tons of things um yeah he's always working he's he's one of those actors that he's got the face that you just gotta put if i'm a casting agent i'll put him in there yeah. oh absolutely he he uh, ticks all of the boxes you'd ever you'd ever want him to and we've seen him throughout while he you know the olaf uh, has been on the line that he has been kind of struggling here um but really, it's here at this point that Cassian reveals he's already working on an escape plan. Um, he said, oh, the issue is, is this the rotation of any new prisoners? And he's not getting a chance to kind of set it up because he's he's more or less kind of being watched extensively by Kino in there. So it's who is clinging to the hope that he's going to be released in what would probably be at this point in sort of 200 odd days. or Yeah, shit, like in about... About like six months, maybe. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's... Roughly, maybe roughly six, seven months. He's hoping he'll be released, but then, yeah, mm. then we get the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Well, I put it in the show notes last week. Um, Mo Mon Mothma, Mo Problems. We have again. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, this time, and, and this is like the kind of nightmare scenario um, on like the house of any parliamentary floor. You're giving a very big talk, um, talking about, you know, saving uh, the Republic shouldn't give um, full control of the legislative powers to the Empire. The way that they show that they disagree with this is just basically to switch off, literally switch off the pods that they're in and show that they're not remotely interested. There's various kind of, like, kind of disgruntled cries that you'd expect. It just reminded me of Tory MPs, frankly. Um, she goes back to... Um, her husband Perrin, who's still an arsehole uh, in this episode as well, uh, and his daughter and her daughter, who she tends to uh, argue with. But her cousin has come to visit her, mm -hmm. and that cousin is none other than Vel. 
It's Val. Um, Val, yep. Uh, who's back in, who um, does a very kind of good glammed up version. We saw uh, bits of this in, in previous episodes. Uh, she go, She stays for dinner and then Perrin being the arse it is. Why, ask, why hasn't she met a nice man yet? And, yes. And the rest of it in uh, classic arsehole fashion in, in this case. Um, she does buy, is it late Lita? She brings her a dress as well, which... Mm-hmm. I think hope. there's something going on with Lita that we're going to find out later. I don't know if it's the rest of the season or possibly in season two, which is starting filming in a, in a couple of oh. weeks. So oh, November twenty okay. first, they, they they have announced that Andor season two will start filming. So that's exciting to to know about. Um, just to go a bit mm. back to to Fix and uh, Deidre, mm. just great performances from Denise. How do you pronounce her last name? Denise Gao. I am just looking on here. Um, if I can find it, and I don't know why I can't. She's not appeared in the main credits for this episode, and she's a pretty bloody big part. Oh, here we go. Denise Goff. Goff. Okay. Goff. Denise Goff. She's great. She's just so deliciously evil. <laughs> yeah. And uh, without mercy. But also Bix, played by Adria Arjona. Just the just her facial expressions when she gets yeah. the, 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 uh, the audio device, the headphones put on her. Um, but there's a when we get to her screaming, just as she starts screaming, the door closes, and then you see an Imperial officer walk by, which is very reminiscent of a scene in A New Hope where Darth Vader brings in the torture droid to torture his unknowns to him daughter, Princess Leia. And as soon as it, as soon as that with the needle, with the syringe, as soon as it's coming in, we close the door to the prison cell, the Death Star, and then an Imperial, I think his stormtrooper walks by. And it's just like that, that when I saw that scene, that yeah. cut, I was just like, that's that's fucking Star Wars Death Star Princess Leia torture scene with Darth Vader. Brilliant. What a great callback. Oh, absolutely. And I, I would say as well, the the, the things that um, uh, Denise Goff is doing in terms of just her facial features, they're, all right. they're like kind of become a lot more accentuated. So it, it becomes almost kind of like cartoonish, but like it's, but it actually works within the kind of watching her character kind of progress and just get that much more dark as she gets more power like as yeah it's more power from major party guys and from colonel wolfie lauren yeah the isb and then she knows that she can do whatever she wants mm-hmm. in this like like where the prefect of uh Ferex says here what about uh solomon pack who's the you know the friend that gets who houses the uh the radio that Bix uses they tortured him before and he says can i just hang <laughs> she says can i hang him I want to make an example of him. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. Go ahead. Whatever you want. Oh, (laughs) it is. And even later on when they're planning of like kind of what to do with the, what they're doing with the pilot and how to, you know, it's, it's like the death of the, the the death is not in doubt. That's just like, well, that's absolutely fine. It's just like, how are we going to do it and do it in a clever way? Um, What did you think of like, I mean, were you all surprised by the revelation that Vel was Mon Mothma's cousin? The kind of, yeah, I, I didn't think that was going to be the connection. Like, I knew that at some point it was probably likely that Bell was going to meet Bon Mothma, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but not in the context that they were actually family members. But it, it goes towards what Cinta said earlier in the series. Like, me, I forget it was the last episode, of the episode before, where he's like, maybe I'll pretend I'm a rich girl running away from family. Yeah. And then Bell's like, that's cold, even for you. Obviously, he's referring to her. And it's like, oh, Maybe then we should have like maybe have guessed like oh who else is rich in this show oh Von Mothma so yeah um, no I, I think it's it's interesting because then it kind of adds layers to the relationship with Val Mon Mothma and with Luthen Rail yeah so and then there's this interesting idea like when when Deidre is interrogating Bix she says you know Sam Pak told us everything he told us he was contacted at a separatist meeting. Uh, by an unknown woman. Now, I don't know if that woman would have been Vel or if it would have been Clea, Luthen's <coughs> assistant mm. or partner. Who is who is great, but this is a Luthen Rail kind of less episode, isn't it, in some ways? Yeah. But he's still kind of like, obviously, like the dominant figure at the centre of, of all of this, like uh, along with Cassian. Who, um, going back to, we uh, effectively, um, he starts to kind of 
basically, Kino is like, they're always listening. They're always listening. And Cassian's starting to really question that and um, saying effectively that they don't really care what they have to say. That this isn't anything like them planning or like, so instead of making a plan or anything else, they kind of live in the fear of the kind of repression um, that that they've got going on in the prison. The fact that no one will ever kind of trust each other. So they're just going to carry on the way that they are. Um, we then go back to the um, to the ISB where we have uh, the conversation with um, uh, with there with uh, Deidre, who explains they're not going to torture Marvy yet. Because she's old and frail, and there could be a good chance that uh, Cassian ends up back. Because they've learned that from um, from Bix as well, who has spoken, but is left as an absolute wreck mm-hmm. um, at the end of it. Left to kind of like basically pass out and fall asleep. And while they've obviously, like you mentioned earlier on, they've hung. It's, it's Pack, isn't it? Pack, um, yeah, yeah. While he while he's been hung, effectively she's there as kind of bait and will be watched by the empire um at this stage of the game um and so yes he's you know marva is still there it's going to be one of it makes you do think that he will end up coming back to ferrix at some point. I, I imagine like an assault on the hotel is probably mm. the climax of the series or like of the of the last story arc of this mm-hmm. series which is like next next this week is the end of the narkina five story arc and then I think we get the last three three episodes, which will be um, the you know like wrapping up this this series, um, this season at least. And I imagine it's it's going to happen back on Ferrix, and this is where they're going to try to not liberate the entire planet necessarily, but maybe just try to save you know Cassian's friends and, and Marva from from the the ISB, because there's that line like where you know like the big guy Brasso. She, he's like explaining to Bix, oh, she was she was at the she's trying to see if there's there's a the tunnel to, underneath the hotel is still open because she's gonna she wants to open it up for the rebels to come in and take the building. So I mean that's not foreshadowing. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, it's it's a <laughs> like this whole exchange between Andy Circus and Diego Luna. I I gotta imagine like when Diego Luna found out that he's gonna work. Opposite Andy Circus, he must he must have been like so happy because like all these actors must be happy. Like I get to work with Diego Luna, I get to work with Stellan Skarsgård, and Andy Circus. I have scenes with Andy Circus. And someone put out this idea: Why would you ever cover up Andy Circus's face? Because he is such beyond the mocap stuff, and he is the most amazing mocap oh. actor of all time. But he is without the mocap, he's still a great actor. He's so Absolutely. amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I would recommend anyone who hasn't seen. Um, uh, I want to say, he di- did he die? He might direct. He certainly produced it. Was Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll about um, Ian Drury, the kind of pop singer, um, oh, the pop singer, punk singer. My God, he was anything but a pop singer. That's an awful Freudian slip on my part. And again, he has to kind of um, because he's got cerebral palsy. He has to kind of like it's a very kind of like physical role that Andy Serkis plays. Um, throughout that as well and you know it's the kind of stuff that we don't perhaps see him doing often enough but um he you know getting him in is obviously like a coup in here as well and and it's, it's just this version of him himself that we're seeing which is effectively feels like a kind of like drill sergeant role yeah um as much as anything else which kind of again like you know we start to we see as well, and I don't I didn't pick up on this first time round, I must confess. We start to see when they're going between their kind of shifts and everything else that there is something that happens on um level two. That's right. And that they've been fried because of a mistake, but it's a rumor. Obviously, they can't speak to or they don't speak with anyone else, even though they do cross paths like all the time when they're going through. And it's this idea about, like, why have they done this? What's the reasoning behind it? And there's this kind of, like, rumour mill, which even at this point, Kino, Andy Circus is trying to get them to hold off. But you can clearly see, like, at, at this stage, that something is very much afoot. Well, it's at the behest of, and it's at the urging of, of uh, Cassian. He's like, you got to 
the less they think we know, yeah. the better we tell everyone to just calm down. Because yeah. he he he's ready to you know whatever his plan is, which involves like sawing off a pipe in the washroom. Uh, whenever he has a sure shank. Yes, I I hope I hope the escape. <laughs> It'd be great if, it, if the escape was filmed just like the escape of Shawshank in, in flashbacks. That'd be that'd be great. I, 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 if he, if I, he escapes out of a photo like beyond a poster of the uh, Moss Eisley Cantina band as well, like that'd be great. Just, that'd just be um, there is a great. Someone made a point on in a video I watched about this that if you watch the performances of the guards on Narkina Five, most of them are, are terrified because we'll find out why because they are vastly outnumbered by the prisoners, yeah. and the only uh, protection they have is the electrified floor, yeah. right? But they 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 are you can tell like when they process a new prisoner like when we see Cassie get processed they they are just super aggressive but you can see it's because they are scared to death of like the prisoners finding out maybe that they actually outnumber the guards and you know figuring out how to get around the floor it's like aldani again isn't it it's where the idea that them running the bureaucracy the way they do and the budgets that they do that they figure to themselves how can we make how can we you know they did the same thing on aldani where they didn't properly staff that at all and it's the same situation here where they kind of it's almost like it's that point that was raised before the Aldani raid, which is that they think it's it's about them being quite lazy, yes. the empire, and getting and getting comfortable, and not actually realizing what the situation on the ground is. You know, sort of they talk within the rooms, but they don't know. You know, in terms of how it runs, it means that this kind of small corruption comes in, and the idea of cutting corners, and really just relying on fear and the populace not knowing that actually. This empire isn't perhaps as 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 strong as it is, or as imperfect and infallible as it portrays itself to be. This is five years before Rogue One, so it's five years before the the Battle of Yavin in A New Hope. So that means mm. it's fifteen years after the Revenge of the Sith, which is the establishment of the Empire. So it's fifteen years of the galaxy being subjugated to the the tyranny of the Empire, and the Empire having really no major problems outside of people like. Saw Guerrera and some cells here and there of rebel activity, but nothing united that we will see by the time Rogue One rolls around. We're going to see a united rebel alliance. Um, so it, it's, it's just kind of a nuisance, like any kind of um, a, a, you know a opposition to them to the Empire is kind of more of a nuisance than anything else. So they're, yeah, they're very comfortable until Aldani. Aldani is what gets them to like really crack down on on uh you know martial law on in systems yeah. that they feel there's going to be rebel activity and but that hasn't creeped into their prison system because i i think one of the great ironies of this story arc right now is that they the isv is fully aware of cassian andor and they really want to catch him unknowns to them he's already in their prison system yeah which is which is kind of quite wonderful if you do, like you mentioned earlier on about that kind of prison industrial complex um, that that exists. That of course he's there, just under um, under the name of Keith, not Keith as well as in like Keith Richards, which would be kind of crazy. We then get to, and this is a controversial scene. Uh, I've seen it brought out there. Cyril trying to get in touch with Deirdre. Um, he basically, as she's going into work on her commute on the way in, um, he appears outside, grabs her by the arm um, in there, um, says that his and her ambitions are the same. I think he makes, um, he calls her like the, the perfect combination of justice and beauty, is it? Is that what he... Something to the effect of like, it it makes him feel better that to know there's some, there's there's justice and beauty in the galaxy still. I mean, they're shooting your shot and then there's quite frankly, arrestable behavior. I mean, which... I think we, we, we can safely say that Cyril Karn um, had a very uh, unbalanced upbringing. Yeah. He has no discernible social skills whatsoever None. to speak of. So. Like it's, it is that idea that if you behave like somebody out of like a romantic comedy, if you did that in real life, you'd just be arrested. Like that kind of behavior is, is kind of like, 
quite quite dangerous and unnatural. I mean, but he does unsettle her. I mean, she does completely shoot him down. You know, she could have him properly shot down. She doesn't, but she does have that kind of power. Goes in, and then when her assistant comes in, talks, tells about the um, capture of a rebel pilot. By the way, her assistant's facial features as well. Is it, If you ever want to hire an actor who just stands out of a crowd, it, it's him. Um, I don't know if you've got his, his name there. Is it here? Um, is it it? It's it's it. Hi, it's in, it's he's uh, Jacob James Beswick is the name of the actor. I'm uh, just looking at other things he's done that I might have heard of. Uh, uh, he was in The Alienist. Oh, uh, Strike Back. Uh, I think I know that's an Andy McNabb type thing. It's an action uh, thing. It's on Sky. Yeah, man. don't watch it. Uh, Prime Suspect, 1973. He's in that. Uh, uh, Unless there's a reboot. Uh, ca- ca- of Prime casualty. Suspect. Casualty. Have you yeah. got casualty in Canada? I would have no, thought I would have made some uh, maybe, maybe. Holby City? No. Uh, Bang average stuff, mate. So, hey, he, yeah, anyway. he plays uh, Attendant Heert. He's great. Yeah, he's his great fish. Like, again, like this guy's got a great, like, casting agents must love this guy. We need, we need someone like kind of like Weasley and uh, hmm. scummy looking, and, but, but prop, but like, like posh. Oh, we'll, we'll hire yeah. this guy. Oh, absolutely. He ticks those boxes and they make him look cold as anything. Um, but he's, he tells them about they capture the rebel pilot. They bring, um, they don't want to, they want to bring him for questioning without uh, um, alarming uh, the separatist leaders, Anton uh, Krieger. That's right. um, uh, and stopping a raid planned on a power station at Spellhouse. Uh, they also mentioned, so they again, we, we, we had Sagar in the last episode run down all these different rebel factions out there in opposition to the empire separatists the gorman front the partisans which is who his group is he's his group is the partisans um but also like he names like luthan rail names anton krieger as someone that he wants to team up with but we also hear reference to a separate like a rebel leader by the name of my pay who gets referenced here so like apparently maybe the big ones are luthan rail known only to them as as axis he's mm-hmm. a big news them but also they're very familiar with Sagrera but they're also Anton Krieger and my pair also on the ISB radar so mm. it's it's interesting like how these will like kind of um emerge further maybe in not maybe if not the rest of this season then with season two that was what I was going to say I think this is like it leads that leads really nicely into into that and, it's, and just expanding the world of of like the the rebel uh, rebel investigations they've got ongoing. Um, we do go back to Coruscant because we have uh, Ty Colmer. He can't stay away from the place. He returns to to sit down with Momothma about. Effectively, he can't get her money. Um, he feels like it's kind of too tough to move around without sort of setting off all various amounts of uh, alarms. So, to bring in the thug Davo Skull uh, Skulden Skulden. Mm-hmm as a charitable donor um and well, it's more to high she has she's already has a, a, a withdrawal of four hundred thousand credits yep that she cannot explain and that he's like worried about like if there's an audit they're gonna find out about yeah. this so you need to to cover it you actually need to replace that money and you need someone who has free reign to spend yeah. four hundred thousand credits and the only option she has is like a chandril and like gangster <laughs> Yeah, sounds like a Russian oligarch to me. It does, doesn't it? This is very City of London. Like, if we're thinking of Coruscant as the City of London, that very much feels like, oh yes, we'll do that. He wants a house in Knightsbridge or Notting Hill, so uh, that's that's the payoff. Uh, By the way, can I just say, Gangs of London season two? I I I saw a trailer for it. It looks fucking amazing. Have you ever seen Gangs of London season one? Oh, I have. Oh, I, I love that show. It's yeah. fantastic. I cannot I, wait for season two. There's no Gareth Evans on this one. That's the only thing that makes me frightened. I read an article about the new director who like directed like the I think the season finale, and he's yeah. he's he, he's like a horror director or something like that as well. So yeah. he's like I I I've shocked myself of the things I've done in this TV show. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. So I at the moment they're streaming weekly. So my plan was to binge all of these. Oh, is it on right now? It's on right now on okay. the Sky. So I, um, I look forward to seeing it on the JP Drive. Four episodes in, I want to say. Something along those lines, but they're streaming it weekly for that one. Um, okay. Like Andor. 
which <laughs> going back to it on here, like we have the idea of Mon Motho. She's not happy. She doesn't want to do this, but you know, she's going to, because it's the only way she can do it. As Vel said to her earlier on, the rebellion comes first. And that means overlooking personal preferences and morality. She, she, she quotes Cinta, the rebellion comes to us, we take yep. what's left. Yeah. Yep. Great line. It you is. Who they should get, I don't know who they got to play this 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 gangster. They should get they should get Ray Winston to play fucking this guy. Right. Do you know what? I won't like. As soon as you like see the name Dave O Scolden, uh Scolden, I'm just thinking to myself like Dave Scolden. Like, and he could easily be from gangs of London or the ilk, uh, uh, you know, any amount of like, you could imagine him in the Sweeney for crying out loud, going back that far. Um, it's like proper seventies TV. It's, I mean, again, I like these kind of things because it, it shows what exactly you would have to do. It's like fundraising for, um, for politicians effectively, where you have to have, you know, there are, there are always, you know, they're always going to have to glad hand certain donors, and a lot of these donors, like you mentioned, with um, Russian kind of oligarchs in London in particular, kind of fi- financing large swathes of the Conservative Party. It, you know, the again, going back to kind of how things work today in, in 2022, this feels completely like note perfect. Uh, I love when Star Wars is very reflective of mm-hmm. like our society, right? And that's, and that's, something that George Lucas is very mm-hmm. cognizant about. Like there's a, I don't know if you've ever seen this great interview that James Cameron does with George Lucas mm-hmm. and to talk about filmmaking and stuff like that. And he talks about Star Wars with him. He's like, oh, I like the, like people like talk, like the politics of Star Wars. And he says, people say Star Wars shouldn't be political, but George Lucas is like, no, it's always been political. Like, what do you think the empire is? It's yeah. a statement about politics. It's a statement about a fascist government. And then he says, like, what do you think, what do you think, you know, the Revenge of the Sith is? It's, it's my statement against the American government at the time. <laughs> it's yeah. just basically what he's saying. And James Cameron's like, exactly. And he, and, he, and he references, like, the Roman Empire and, like, how empires do not last. And, and, he, and he makes a point of calling America right now an empire. And that it's not mm. going to last the way it is. Like, we might have another hundred years of this, you know, maybe less. But it's well, it, you, it, people who think like the way American society is structured or Canadian society or British society is structured right now, the way it is, it's not going to last. I don't think it'll change drastically in my lifetime, but I think within the next 100, 200 years, it's not going to be the same. What, yeah. How we see it today is not going to be that way. Generations are that come after you and I, JP, are not going to put up this shit anymore. No. So. no. I think there's – it is one of the things where the kind of – overall cynicism of society is something that is like, I mean, this is as overtly political as um, Star Wars has been. And I think this is why I mean, I'll be saying, I think this is the best thing that's come out. So I don't know, I'm going to go as far and say it's better than the Mandalorian in terms of things that hit kind of my particular taste, because it, it just, everything feels so much like richer as, as a world. And, a, and as a universe and it's and it it's so much like all of the different aspects of it even i mean the only thing i'm kind of i'm wary about is the cyril stuff because it's it feels like it exists on an island perhaps wh- where you can see how he can possibly work his way in as a way of just being able to ident- be the one that identifies loot and rail perhaps just- i think he'll be a big part of season two yeah it's my guess because i think he's going to be someone that deidre will have no choice yeah. but to bring in to help her find Axis or the the rest of the rebels. Um, the way it's showing different elements of society in the meantime, yeah. though, and different the, the hierarchical structures from the from the politicians down to kind of those on the ground in, in Ferrix. Like, it's, it's amazing know. cinema. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, Toby Haynes is the director of this arc, and he's just doing a fantastic job because it's, just, it's incredible. Like, he just, the way he frames everything, like the blocking of shots, mm-hmm. he just shows everyone's in prison. Pretty much like Mon Mothma's in her prison. You see the way she's framed in her own apartment building. Yeah. You see Cyril Karn is a prisoner. He's in much of a prison as as Cassian is in working for the Bureau of Standards. Cassian's in an actual prison, the way he's framed. He's actually like has more freedom structurally 
mm. if you see the way that the prison is framed, he has to has more freedom than Cyril or Mon Mothma seem to have in the way they're shot, in the way they're framed in their in their settings. It's it's really amazing stuff. I should I should correct myself. Bo Willimon is the is the writer of this arc, ah. not Tony Gilroy. But Bo Willimon is the creator of the American version of House of Cards when it was still oh. good apparently and that's how tony gilroy knows him because tony gilroy was a consulting producer on house of cards so and that's i guess he said hey do you want to come over and work on a couple of i arcs for this this series and like the writing just the standard of the writing like mm. between dan gilroy and tony gilroy and and bill wilmot now is like just unbelievable and toby haynes like i i if this guy does not get an offer to direct a Star Wars feature at some point. I I don't know what's wrong because like they need it. And to your point, like I say, this is this is like an HBO show, but Star Wars. Yeah, that's that's the quality of it. And yeah. for me, like I don't want everything to be like The Mandalorian. I think that's where things like Book of Boba Fett and Obi Wan Kenobi kind of uh, fell short in like even compared to, to The Mandalorian because I think the first two seasons of The Mandalorian are everything you want as a Star Wars Star Wars fan. Mm. Whereas Andor is everything you want as a fan of good television, writing and directing and acting. Mm. Uh, that happens to be in Star Wars. Like I'm lucky that it is part of Star Wars universe, but I would watch this even if it wasn't in Star Wars. Mm. Um, if it wasn't, if it, if it was just a, a, effectively a science fiction program about, a, you know, about a, a, an uprising. Yeah. You'd be like, I would oh, watch okay. it. You could and really I think it's amazing. The fact that it's Star Wars makes me even happier because I'm such a Star Wars fan. But I don't want this to be like the Mandalorian. I don't want future shows like to come out that to be a copy of the Mandalorian. I don't want Ahsoka to be uh, a copy mm. of the Mandalorian. Where you know, or I don't want the Acolyte to be a copy of the Mandalorian. I want things to be different, and because that's, and I want it to be a, a, a you know a kind of an homage to different kinds of films, film genres like detective stories or samurai films or westerns or war movies. Mm. dramas and this is this is very much in the case of like like a espionage political thriller as we kept saying throughout yeah. our our discussions about andor but also there's the whole like there's a heist film built into this there's some of this prison movie built into this it's amazing it's like all these things you get and that's star wars because star wars is a samurai film it's a western it's a war movie all until all meshed in with like science fiction inspired by flash gordon serials from the 1940s so yeah no, no, no! It all, all comes back to that, isn't it? All, all's come back to George's childhood. God love him for this. But uh, we go towards the end of the show, where I mean, what we find is Olaf is well. We don't know this. He's he's kind of been had to be taken out by uh, Kino and Cassian, who they hide him first of all because I think the guards uh, the guards come in at that at that point and they will put their hands up on their heads uh, as they do. Um, then when they're trying to take him back to his chamber, he loses all consciousness. They, uh, Cassian and Kino stay there waiting for the doctor, uh, Dr. Rasif, who is played by, um, in the usual game that you can play during, uh, any episode of Andor, Chernobyl or Game of Thrones. And in this case, we go back to Chernobyl. He's, uh, one of the three, um, three people who are found guilty of the entire Chernobyl, uh, explosion. Spoiler alert. Four guys for the Russian state, but there you go. Didn't need me to tell you that. Um, and it's quite brutal. Um, again, we find he's not wearing any shoes, so we know that he is also a prisoner. Um, he declares that Olaf can't recover um, and that he needs to die in order that he can be replaced. Kino is explaining he's got like kind of 40 days left. He was going to be released uh, at this point on there. But then that leaves... Uh, Rasif to say is no one's getting out, which is whispered. But he's also telling the guard at the end of the room to like go get a body bag and 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 stretch it to be able to take the body away as he walks out. Then reveals to them what has happened up on level two, which is a prisoner who was released from level four just ended up back on level two. As soon as everyone on level two realised this, i.e., no one's escaping, um, they were all fried to death. And basically, Razev says that because of this kind of fiasco, no one's making out, so there's no discussion about it at this point. The only form of freedom that anyone is going to get in this place is death. 
I um, take it that they, they regardless, mm. no one's getting out anyways, no. regardless of what happened on two, because they're not letting anyone leave. Mm. This is like, this is our slave labor. This is like yeah. what we're going to build our war machine with our, our star destroyers, our components for our TIE fighters for the Death Star is all going to happen on these prison planets and these facilities. Like it's Narkina 5. There's like, I got, you, and we saw when we get to Narkina 5, there's mm -hmm. like, it's not just this, this platform. There's like multiple platforms on this, in this particular part of the planet. Who knows how many others are on this planet and how many other planets there are that house just these factory prisons. Um, this is how they, you know, that's what you need to build a strong <laughs> industrial yeah. economy. This is how America built their economies was on slave labor, right? This you is know? what all of the the colonizing nations ended up doing, isn't it? This is it's, this yeah. how you build an economy is by yeah. like a strong one is by slave labor, and that's what the empire is saying. They're not stupid. It's like we don't think like how, how much money do you think that the fucking Death Star costs? It costs trillions of fucking credits. You think that's all? Like labor that they're paying to their staff. No, it's it's most of it's probably prison labor that they get on these the components yeah. that are built here. They ship it out, and then the people they actually pay probably nickels and cents to, you know, Star Wars equivalent of that, are, are assembling it at their fact at their you know shipyards at on the Death Star. Where the fuck they're going? You think you think? By the way, Darth Vader's personal fucking Star Destroyer, the Executor. All right, that thing is fucking massive. You think you don't think that thing costs a billion fucking credits of course it did so and you who made it these fucking prisoners this cheap slave labor also it's noteworthy that there are no aliens in this prison it's mm. all humans. it's all humans because they don't want to i bet you they take all the twi'leks and they put them in another fucking prison all the yeah. wookies are used slave labor predominantly somewhere else you know they're not mixed in because they don't want people forming alliances among species as well yeah. right so, you I think it's just separated off like that, and you see that separation process happen when they decide where he's going. It's like Narkina Five, and he just shunted off to that ship, isn't he, Cassian? Yeah. Uh, in that case, what we do get though is as Cassian and Kino are walking back to their cells, the hands behind their back. The one thing that Cassian has tried to get out of Kino that um, throughout the entire episode is how many guards are on each floor. To which Kino replies, "At any given time, there are always twelve guards." On each level. On each level, yes. Okay, so on there's level. five levels yep. in these facilities. There's, like, I think five rooms or something yep. like that. Okay, 49 people in each room. There's only 12 guards on each level yep. at any given time. So you got to think, so there's less than 100 guards and over, what, over almost, like, close to 500 to 1,000 uh, prisoners. They are fucked. Like it doesn't yeah. matter that they fry unless they fry the entire facility. They, they they so whatever's happening next is gonna maybe it's gonna be the 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 Star Wars equivalent of like an Oz prison riot, and then Maddie Edwards can like jump on and say, <laughs> uh, "This is boss mate," or, you know, or something like that. I don't know. He would say that. As well. Oh, what well, I think this is in terms of how I felt at the end of this episode to sum it up in a phrase would be like, fucking come on is what. Oh I yeah. Felt I'm so excited. about. I'm, oh yeah. But Wednesdays. So pumped for Wednesday because yeah. I mean, I think the eye was something else. This is going to have a kind of real kind of like guttural feeling to it. And also intrigued as to how they get them off here. When, at what point they're going to realize that it's Cassian and or who's behind this as well they had in their in their I I, I want to know but God help the ISB it's one thing to take over I guess they're gonna grab a prison transport something that brings prisoners to the planet that's how they're gonna escape yeah that's how they, I imagine they're gonna escape from this planet but at some point Cassian does end up flying the yeah like the the Fondor because like there's a scene in the teaser trailer where he's flying I'm pretty sure he's flying it. Or, or Luthen Rail comes to get him because, like, we're also getting anticipated some kind of a space battle too, which I'm all for. Like, listen, you can't have Star Wars without a fucking space battle in my view against Tie Fighters. It would know? be the most kind of like when you think of going back to to something like that. But we haven't had any of that so far. And we the, had well the eye. We had yes, the Tie no, Fighters. You know, That's that, that was, true. and the, to me, like a Star Wars fan, is just to hearing the the familiar sounds of the twin ion engines. 
screaming through the sky is, 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 is Although, great. During that scene, what I ended up thinking of was the scene in Mad Max Fury Road with Nicholas Holt and um, Tom Hardy going through the the storm being chased. For some reason, I, I think that's when I ended up thinking about the Ike. Anyway, that's a complete aside and a few episodes ago on here. So, yeah, we've got it built up for next week. It looks like we're going to get, we are going to get our escape. Um, you mentioned already there's, there's people that, you know, the, there's someone there who we, we meet in Rogue One um, in there as well. It's going to be interesting what happens to these other figures. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting if it's a full scale. Is it going to be just a few flaws who manage to get away? How are they, are they going to try and free everybody up? I mean, it's, it's fascinating, but I am, absolutely fucking buzzing i don't know about you i think this is like i think of all of the episodes this one really felt like it kind of hit home as a piece of really great tv and i just can't like i'm I'm fully prepared like it would have to go kind of off the rails in these next i don't believe it can i don't think it will the quality of the writing and the directing is just like i think you have tony gilroy as the creator and the showrunner like you know, like I can't see Toby Haynes fucking this up as a director or Tony Gilroy's a showrunner saying like letting something through. That's dumb. <laughs> it's just, it's just too good. Um, yeah. You know, we should, before we go, uh, did, have you watched Tales of the Jedi yet, by the way? I haven't now. Okay. Vicky, uh, the young lads here, George and Harry have been watching them. I've seen one episode and it was completely out of context. So they were watching. I said, no, no, I'm going to watch all of these together. And it was Ahsoka Tano working on a. I'm trying to think of what the name of the episode was. It was like work. She was like she was working on a plantation. Oh, that's, that's the last work. episode of the series. Then. Right. Yeah. So I've had you that. Should watch, you should watch the other ones. Yeah. I should really have to at this yeah. point. I mean, we'll, we should do that as a separate when we finish this. We finish Andrew. Oh, we will do that. Also, yeah, I, I want to say like uh, there is some news today, or Ooh. I think yesterday maybe about. Uh, the Acolyte. Do you know about this show, JP? No, I heard you mention it earlier on. I thought, what have I missed? So this is a new show. It's created by uh, Leslie Headland, who was the creator of a TV show called The Russian Doll. Oh, and yeah. It's set in the dying days of the High Republic, which is like many, many centuries before the Skywalker saga. The High Republic is like the peak of the of the Republic and the Jedi Order. Yeah. So it's a it's a mystery murder murder mystery thriller some kind something like that and it's about a jedi reuniting with their former master to investigate dark forces emerging in the galaxy which you would assume is a sith i and yes. and the star of this i think is jung jay lee who is the main character of squid games ah my and God. they have just announced carrie ann moss of the Matrix fame. I was going to say, yeah. We'll, we'll be joining the series. But also, uh, Daphne Keene, who I know as uh, X-23 from the Logan movie, is also in the cast. And I'm not too familiar with anyone else that they have listed here on IMDb. But but hey, you know, if, if Jung J. Lee is a fucking Jedi in the old days of the Republic, fuck yeah, I'm all oh for that. God. Like, I mean, in fairness, you would... Co- I mean, he is... For all intents and purposes, one of the most famous actors in the world. Like it, oh, yeah. it's it's. But my God, like that's. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated to know, like the idea of them telling, like you say, and you said this earlier on, but telling different types of stories and using these series to do that. I'm kind of pumped about that. I yeah. love the idea behind that. I think there's a lot you could do. I think it, it as long as you've kind of got again that subtle writing and directing that kind of builds it up. I think there's some really great stories you can tell. And and again, I think it would be stuff that you could explore a certain aspect of the Jedi, perhaps, I'm not saying like the arrogance of the Jedi, but the Jedi not being kind of aware of uh, of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, Yoda's, Yoda's around in the High Republic days, so yeah. he, he maybe he'll show up. But um, I just want to say, like, you know, like 2023 is looking to be a very good year mm-hmm. for Star Wars. For we have, We're going to, I think, at tail end, of 20 next year we'll have the season two of this of andor um which would be a great end to this to the year but we're gonna get the the, the mandalorian season three which looks amazing from the trailer i saw i'm excited about that I, i'm ex- ex- Soka's season one's coming out 
I'm so I'm super pumped about that because she's one of my favorite characters of all time. In fact, I'm, I'm wearing oh, yeah. this T-shirt, this bootleg T-shirt. <laughs> uh, I, I found online of of, uh, of Ahsoka, and we got Bad Batch season two. You got this show, The Acolyte, coming out. Um, I think something called Skeleton Crew, which I'm not too familiar. That might be more more kids oriented, but I'll probably wa- end up watching it. And yeah, I mean, we this year has been you know kind of up and down. Like I, you know, most of Book of Boba Fett, not so great, but there there are some moments of it that 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 I enjoy. Yeah. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi again, like we talked about it, like hit and miss. I feel. Um, but again, elements of it I like. But we had we had Bad Batch season one. We had Star Wars Visions, the end, you know, the Japanese anime inspired yeah. show, which I anthology that I really enjoyed. And yeah, Tales of Jedi was fun. You'll find out when you watch that yourself. But the, but the highlight this year has been, of course, Andor. It's just an amazing uh, yeah. amount of really amazing television. And uh, we'll talk more about it when uh, maybe when we get the chance again, <laughs> whenever that is. Definitely. Well, yes, hopefully. We always say, like, kind of provisionally a Sunday or Monday. Fingers crossed, because uh, yeah. we both have loads going on, which leads us nicely into where. what other work have you got ongoing at the moment? Because I have I started um, watching your uh, lo- latest episode of Long and Winding Royal Road. Tremendous. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, so the, the newest episode came out this week, and uh, our guest on the show is Filthy Tom Waller. Um, may, mayhaps the... the May or may not be the filthiest guest to maybe ever appear on the show. Uh, I, when he asked me, uh, well, see the thing with Flanagan, he's never been on the show, so you know, like that might happen next year. Who knows? I could have said, "Well, JP is is up there." You should have done, and he's met me before as well, so he's probably smelt. He's you know, he's he. You would have seen that. I, I would probably have been uh, reeking that day. I was in Blackpool, so it wouldn't have been a surprise. I'd have been a state. Yeah, we we recovered a very kind of like hidden gem of a match between uh, Yoshinari Gawa and and Masahiro Kakihara for the All Japan Junior Heavyweight Title. That's a fun, it's a fun listen. It's a fun match. I do recommend people mm. watch the match itself. It's not that long for an All Japan match of the nineties. It's it's actually less than twenty minutes. Hey, can't beat that. Yeah, uh, that's good. Um, but there, there's that. That's already out. Uh, I'll be recording post Perez with Karen Peterson, of course, familiar to many grapple fans. And post wrestling fans will be recording that. We'll talk about the goings, many, many goings on in the world of Japanese wrestling. Uh, that's coming out this weekend. Uh, we're recording on Monday, so it'll be coming out on Saturday. And then sometime in the next couple of weeks, I, I imagine before the big post wrestling event in New Jersey, we're way myself, uh, uh, Rich Fan, uh, Scrump from PWTs. And may, hopefully Nate Milton, mm. if he can, we can get his schedule to work out, we'll, we'll be talking about Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, because that is coming out this Sunday. Um, and for, I'm going to go – I get think it. I'm seeing it this Sunday. I think I got my – my friend got tickets, and then we'll try to have a review out IMAX? sometime. In the week. No, so I'm seeing it in the VIP. Ah, uh, yeah. Because there's no – because VIP in, in, in Toronto means, like, alcohol is served, so there's no kids allowed. Oh, but I I – Sorry, for those of you have children, I'm sorry. I don't want to watch. I hate watching movies with fucking kids in the in the theater. That's the screening I'm going to. I'm going with. Um, it's probably going to be with my 16 year old, and then the, the basically my stepkids who are who are eight and six. That I think we're we're going to possibly see that on Sunday morning as well. So that's going to be uh, absolutely fascinating. Uh, to, to do I, that, I, I won't know be you mean. that screening. I won't be. No, you screening. won't. I, I, I don't blame you. Like uh, for that, there might be an. Op- there might be, if if it's if it's that good, and I feel like I've missed stuff, I'm gonna be like, right, I can go back to the. It's only five pounds. It's that a is, really yeah. cheap cinema. Like, and you could bring your own food. It's like it's great. It's just like the idea of people going not going to cinema. Like, why? It's absolute peace and quiet and a massive screen. I'm more than happy for this. So, yeah. Going to see that on Sunday, absolutely pumped. Um, I will repeat the same thing I'll say on the film front. If any of you have watched Halloween Ends, don't. I, I can't stress w- what an awful film it is, and I had no expectations. I thought it'd be shit, and it over-delivered, in, which I thought was incredulous, but there you go. Um, yeah, I, I'll be recording Grapple Spotlight um, uh, tonight, so that's going to be coming out as well. There's also Survivor Series on the Grapple Patreon. I think we're going to be doing an Observe This because it's Montreal month. Um, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Canada's greatest wrestling moments. Um, in there, who's doing spotlight? Is Benno and, and it's Benno and Matty. Okay, this well, week. You, you tell Benno uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yes, in a couple of weeks, and you, and you tell Matty I still think Logan Paul's a cunt. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I I think he's going to be like built up as. Yep, that may well be the case, but fuck me for his third match. He seems to be over delivering. So I'm off to watch that now uh, okay. before recording. But yes. yes. Thank you, everyone. You can find me on Twitter at WH. Where can people find at, you? At WHPark9. While I'm still on Twitter, I suppose. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'll be leaving unless it gets worse. I don't. I don't see the. You know, it's not affecting me that badly. And when it does, I'll probably like. Okay, you know what? I was thinking we should just resurrect message boards. Yeah. Just go to Post Wrestling. The message boards there, and just create our own little universe. Good old days. Yeah. Good no. old days. No 280 character limits. You no, can, no. And you were always essays. right. Essays. Just write essays again. So it went in doubt. Okay, then. That just leaves us to say, bye there. <laughs>